Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. I'm so excited. You know, I'm going to make a switcheroo real quick before I get started because at our place we have music stands and I'm way more comfortable with a music stand than a, than a table. So... I'm also more comfortable preaching to, you know, 13 to 17 year olds, but (laughs) there you go. If you guys want to be just a little immature, that would really help me. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Praise the Lord. I don't need my schedule this morning. Preparation is everything, right? Praise the Lord. All right. Um, uh, Thank you, Bill, for that wonderful introduction. I, I love the church. I absolutely love the church. I think that's the main way that the Lord is going to tra- transform the world is he wants to do it through the church. Um, I believe that the, the world is asking so many questions right now and the church has those answers and it's up to us to step up. Um, the, the harvest is, is out there. Jesus says the laborers are few um, and they're still few because, uh, oh boy, cause we gotta say yes. We gotta say yes. Um, I'm going to pray. So before we get started, would you bow your heads? Um, God, I thank you that today you're not hiding. I thank you that you've, um, you've shown up this morning in worship. I thank you that you're, uh, you've shown up God in, uh, as we participated in communion, um, as we declared our faith through the Nicene Creed this morning. Uh, I thank you that your presence is here and that you're not hiding. God, we can know you. Thank you for the knowledge of you. Pray that we would all grow in that this morning, uh, God, and that we would live in obedience to you this week. Amen. Amen. I'm so excited. Oh, man. So this message is the first in a series about what is God like. Um, This is based out of uh, what God told to Moses right before he gives him the Ten Commandments. We focus a lot about all the commandments of the Lord, um, but I think uh, it is very important. I appreciate that. That's great. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) We focus a lot on the commandments of God, but boy, the most important thing is to know God and to know what he's like. How many of you guys want eternal life? There we go. Softball question to start. And it's not a trick question. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I wonder how many of us realize, though, the actual definition of what that eternal life is that the Lord wants. John 17, 3, Jesus spells it out. He says, eternal life is this, just so you don't misunderstand, that you would know God and that you would know his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent. That is eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God. It's not just being conscious forever. We're all made in the image of God. We're going to be conscious forever, regardless of if we go to to heaven or not. It's just the truth. But real eternal life, that living water, is is getting to know Jesus, right? And Jesus offered that that woman at the well living water. It was standing right right in front of her, knowing God. Seeing Jesus for who he is. I love it. I love it. Living water. (laughs) And we're not left to figure this out by ourselves. The Lord wants us to know about him. Like I said, he's not hiding Um, this morning. He gave us um, an entire book of encounters with him that we can go to. We were at the men's retreat uh, yesterday 
And my favorite moment of the whole day, oh, it was so much fun. Uh, we're doing this ultimate challenge where, you know, we went out and we played a bunch of sports ball games where, you know, we, we took a, a football and tried to chuck it at bowling pins. Um, and it was a free throw contest. And we like launched a paintball out of a, um, a slingshot, all sorts of these games. Um, so all of that didn't prepare us for one of the challenges. Uh, we went down this hill and there's this older gentleman that's got his hands up like this two hands. And uh, when we get down there, he explains the only way you're going to pass this challenge is if you recite 10 Bible verses as a team. Go. And boy, wouldn't you know, the New Day team rattled out 10 Bible verses like it was that. It was so cool. I was like, we know our Bible. David Lawrence told me, he's like, man, I I wish we had better prizes. You know, we could go the second tier or the third tier for like 20 or 30 Bible verses. (laughs) He's like, we got more in the chamber, man. We're we're ready to go. It was great. (laughs) That was awesome. And I was like, yes, we know the Bible. And I think that's why the Lord shows up in a mighty way is because we listen to him in his word, right? We accept him for who he is. (laughs) Some people will try to form their opinion about God based on their feelings, based on an internal thing of like, oh, you know, I, um, uh, they'll think of the best possible thing, uh, and assume that that's God, right? Um, they'll think, oh, what, what would, what would good be? All right. Well, good is hugs. So I'm sure God is a hugger. Um, good is, you know, gifts. I'm sure God gives gifts. Um, good anger isn't good. So God's not angry, you know, um, judgment. That's no good. God won't judge, you know, And, and all of a sudden we like, we make our definition of what good is. And we just assume, you know, oh, I don't, I don't need to read this because I already know what good is. And somebody told me God is good. God, somebody told me God's the best thing you can think of. Right. So we assume we can imagine God. You can't imagine God, right? You can't imagine God. He's, he is beyond you. And so guess what? Sometimes God's going to reveal himself in a way that sounds weird, right? That goes against our imagination of what good is, right? And If we know God is completely good and he reveals himself in a way that we don't think is good, what should change? (laughs) Right? Our imagination of what good is or should God change because we don't agree with, you know, what he's doing. Right? Awesome. This is just the introduction. I'm super excited. (laughs) I was told to talk on three words out of this verse and uh, yeah, it's going to be good. (laughs) So much fun. He is who he is, and he's gracious enough to show. All right, so um, we're going to read our, our main verse for, for the day. But before we do, ooh, I should have tested the clicker. Thank you, Andrew. You're wonderful. Um, before we do, let me tell you, this verse that we're about to read is the most referenced and requoted verse in the Bible. By that, I mean this verse is spoken by prophets and by teachers and judges and psalmists all the way through the Bible, more than 20 different places. It's in about a third of the books of the Bible. This verse is requoted, right? People have said that this verse is basically the John three sixteen of the old Testament. Okay. If we're going to get, if you're going to memorize one verse in the Bible, I believe this should be it. You should know this verse because it will tell you exactly what God is like. Here we go. 
God describes himself in this way. Do I just click up? Down? Ha <laughs> ha! Bless you. <laughs> he says to Moses, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands Forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. This is the verse that is quoted and requoted over and over in scripture. This is the first time that God is this clear about who he is and what his character is. It sounds super comforting until about that last half, right? <laughs> like, isn't God all about clearing the guilty and, you know, and, and judging people fairly? Like, isn't that kind of his thing? Um, how can a loving, merciful, compassionate God have anger at all or have wrath at all? The Lord's anger burns against sin and sinners because of what sin does to his creation and his children. And that's an uncomfortable truth, right? And it's, it should make us uncomfortable. If we're comfortable with this, chances are we aren't aware of the sin that's in our hearts, you know, and the sin that's in the hearts of our friends and our family. This is important. But you know what? The anger of the Lord is right and it's just and you know what it's just as good as his love and just to kind of give you a framework for how anger could be righteous i'm going to give you kind of an earthly example if someone hurt my daughter i would be angry right not out of particular hatred but out of a love for my daughter right that, that would be my motivation. The Lord's anger is the same way. It is motivated out of love. I made this beautiful thing, and you're destroying it. I made you, and you're destroying yourself. I made that person, and you're destroying them. That's the anger of the Lord. And there are those who downplay the anger of the Lord because we're worried about how an unbelieving world will perceive the Lord and will perceive the gospel, right? So we only talk about the love. We only talk about the forgiveness. We, anytime there's wrath, hey, let's turn the page. You know, let's, let's look at another verse, you know? <laughs> let's, whew, we don't want to talk about that, right? Um, first off, judging, you know, the Bible and the gospel off of, uh, how an unbelieving world is going to perceive it is just the same as judging the Lord based on your own imagination of him, right? Like our imagination of God does not trump who God really is. And the unbelieving world's definition of God definitely doesn't trump who God really is, right? But honestly, church, like, have you seen the news and social media? The world is asking the church, why aren't you angry about injustice? You know, 
Like there's a lot of terrible things happening. And why does it seem like you always have an excuse or an evasion or something? Why can't you be sad about this? Why can't you be angry about this? Why doesn't this move you? The world has no problem about the idea of anger against evil. We see this. We see God's character. Oh, I should say this first. The good news is the Lord sees evil and he sees injustice and he's coming back to set things right. He's coming back to rescue the oppressed. We see this in Isaiah 59. Oh, I'm hit the wrong button. <laughs> I'll figure this out. <laughs> if they invite me back, we'll see. <laughs> Isaiah 59 says, Their works are works of iniquity, and the deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they're swift to shed innocent blood. This is the situation that's happening right now in Israel. The Lord saw it, and, was dis- and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man... And wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then, oh boy, his own arm brought him salvation. His righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing. We're talking about the Lord here. And wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, he will repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, to the coastlands, he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the West and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives and the redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who turn from transgression declares the Lord. And that is why the justice of the Lord is a good thing. It's fiercer than any mama bear you have ever heard of, right? More than anyone else on the planet, the Lord sees injustice. He sees all of the things that you've ever gotten mad about. He sees it. And he will repay those who have shed innocent blood. His anger and righteousness and holiness is good. But then you say on the other side, why does God wait? Why does God wait? We see the injustice, right? It's the whole question. How could a good God allow so much evil in the world? How? (laughs) One of both ways. We don't like an angry God. We (laughs) We don't want him to wait on his anger. Oh, my word. Why does he seem to let evil go punished on a daily basis? We see villains constantly being able to do things without any consequence. Guess what? We get to go to Romans, which is my favorite book. I get so excited. We spent a whole summer preaching on Romans last year. What? This is Paul talking about about uh, why the Lord waits. What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath that were prepared for destruction. And what if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for his glory? Paul is saying the Lord bears patiently with all of the evil and injustice so that you can see how merciful he is. 
so that you can see how patient he is. And boy, is he patient. He's not letting the evil go unpunished. He will. But we get to see his mercy first. And praise the Lord, he is waiting. Praise the Lord, his, his judgment and wrath did not come before I gave my life to Jesus. I'm so thankful for that. I am thankful for that, those moments that I lived in rebellion against God with my heart completely ignoring him. And he did not pour his wrath onto me before I gave my life to him. And I am grateful for that. All right, so we're going to return to this verse here. This is our main verse. There's kind of a tension going on um, with the mercy and grace of God and his judgment. He says, he forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin, but he will by no means clear the guilty. So he's going to, is he going to clear the guilty or is, is he going to, is he going to forgive? And what's the difference? Who are the objects of his wrath and who are the objects of his mercy? I think it's, if we're going to categorize anything and be sure about those categories, I think this is one of the most important things that we can be sure about, right? How do I get in this bucket and not in this bucket? Um, we're going to go, remember how I said this verse was in 20 different parts of scripture. We're going to go over to Joel where he, uh, where he quotes it. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Joel is saying, you know this. You know that he's compassionate and, and he forgives. You know that he will relent. What do you have to do? You have to rend your heart and not your garments. You have to turn to him. You have to repent of your ways. You got to turn to him. We're going to go to one other uh, Old Testament prophet who also quotes this verse, Jonah 3. When God saw what they did, Nineveh, Nineveh just returned to the Lord after being uh, um, preached to. When God saw what they did and how they turned back from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. <laughs> there it is. Jonah had a weird imagination about the Lord. Seemed very wrong. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord? I told you so when I was still at home that you're a great. Oh, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity, right? Because Moses told me about it. I know that. <laughs> He's got a bad attitude. <laughs> But this was ingrained in the prophets. This was ingrained in everybody who heard from Moses. If you turn to the Lord, you'll be in the objects of the mercy, right? He will forgive transgression and iniquity and sin if you repent. That's it. That's it. Hmm. 
All right. So we're focusing on the word slow to anger. And the words slow to anger actually mean long of nostril. Yeah, I know. That's weird. That's super weird. Long of nostril. All right. In order to figure out what the Lord was meaning when he told Moses, hey, I got long nostrils. (laughs) We need to go to what in the world does that mean in Hebrew? Um, And it means it's erekapayim, long of nose. Um, And it means that he, if you are angry, it is said that you had a hot nose. Blood rushed to your face. You huffed and puffed and you had a very hot nose. But to say that you had a long nose means that when something happened to you, you didn't, you know, blow your top. You didn't have a hair trigger. It took very long for your nose to get hot. So that's what it means. Eric, I am long nose. The Lord has long nostrils. Um, And praise the Lord that he does. (laughs) I want to see more worship songs about that. Wouldn't that be great? Aaliyah's got it. Aaliyah's got it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so a lot of people are on pins and needles about about the Lord. You know, they read the commands of Scripture, and they take them very seriously, and they're worried the Lord's going to smack them upside the head if if they mess up, right? Some people go really far and say, oh, I committed this sin, and so that's why this bad thing's happened to me. You know, and we get we get real specific about it. And you know what? If I commit, you know, 10 more sins, that's going to be it. I'm going to be out. Right? So, and we got this balancing act. And, and when I say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous, right? But we still believe it in our heart. Um, the, uh, that's not what the Lord is saying here. The Lord's slow to anger. It's going to take a very long time. And you know what? How slow is he? He is divinely slow to anger, right? And we see this in, um, uh, in Matthew when Jesus talks about, uh, his standard for forgiveness. And, you know, the, the disciple Peter comes up to him and says, well, you know, how much should I, should I forgive? You know, probably seven times, right? That's kind of the human idea of what divine forgiveness would look like. Seven, seven times is how much I should forgive. Cause that's how much you would forgive me. Right. And Jesus is like, nope, not even in that, you know, you are, you are logarithmically wrong. You know, it's not seven, 70 times seven, which Veggie tells is, tells me is 490. Thanks, Pa Grape. Um, <laughs> 490 times. What human would be wronged 490 times and not blow their top? Right? There's kind of, uh, some, some contextual things that would, that would assume that this is like in one day, you know? But the Lord's slow to anger. Hmm. All right, how slow is he to anger? Look at this. So this is our verse here, and there's an intentional contrast here. He has steadfast love for thousands, and he visits iniquity to the third and the fourth generation. Which is more? I think, you know, in in four generations, our our family's not thousands, you know. There's an intentional contrast here, which means the... uh, the justice of God is not going to overwhelm his readiness to forgive and his readiness to wait, right? He's not overwhelmed by himself. He has more than enough mercy for 
for the judgment that is coming. Hmm. So what does it look like to have God patiently waiting for us to come to our senses? It's the prodigal son, right? Prodigal son says, hey, I wish you were dead. This is a parable that Jesus told. A son tells his father, I wish you were dead. Can you give me my set of the inheritance? Half of everything you've worked on for your entire life, right? And I'm going to go off to a city and I'm going to, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to waste everything. <laughs> I'm going to have fun. I'm going to party, right? Live like there's no tomorrow. And then he loses it all, ends up in a pigsty thinking I should, I should eat corn like the pigs. And he goes, you know what? I should just go back to my dad because I know, I know he, he'll take me back in. I know he's, you know, in parentheses, I know he's gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and he forgives transgression, iniquity, and sin. You know, that's kind of what he's thinking. <laughs> I know the character of my dad. So he goes back and guess what? The father has been looking for him, sees him from a long ways, runs full out towards him. I assume gives him a bear hug and, you know, whips him around, says, oh, you don't have the right clothes on. Here's a ring. Here's a robe, right? Let's throw a party. My son is back home. Right? And we don't know how long that was. He could have been gone for a year. Could have been gone for five years. How long does it take to spend all the money or half the money that your father has ever owned or worked through? One hour, Elias says. Uh oh, Bill. <laughs> Elias, like, challenge accepted. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Who. <laughs> How long do we have? Um, I had a, uh, um, a a Mormon missionary friend request me on Facebook, um, and I love talk theology, so I said sure. So we started a conversation this week, and on Thursday, he um, he tried to convince me that um, the people who received judgment in the flood and who died were actually in this little holding place, and actually they're going to get a second chance after all of that. Um, and by golly, that's the opposite of the message of Noah. The message of Noah, that whole story is when the rain starts falling, it's too late. Right? Like, that's it. That's the, the boat has closed. You didn't hear the word of the Lord. You didn't hear his prophet Noah. You didn't come in. And Jesus says in Matthew 24, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when the Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. The truth is we don't know how much time we have left. And the only reason that we have breath in our lungs is because the Lord is gracious and merciful and by golly he's slow to anger he's so slow to anger every single breath is a testimony to the fact that the lord is slow to anger i'm going to invite the worship team up um onto the stage here um if i have a list of people <laughs> who i'm praying for and i pray every day that the Lord does not come back until these people give their lives to Jesus. <laughs> Pray, Lord, just extend that nose just a little bit. You know, just wait on your judgment a little bit. I want them in that objects of your mercy category. 
I want those people to, to repent because I know you'll forgive them. I know you'll take them back. And if you're here today and you need to repent, if you're here today and you know that you're over here, maybe even if you're worried that you're over here in the objects of his wrath, I would extend that invitation to you today. You have heard that the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's rich in steadfast love and faithfulness, and he will forgive sin, iniquity, and transgression. Hmm. Scripture says it's the kindness of God that turns men to repentance. And we're going to read a little bit about the kindness of God here. Psalms 103. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens above are above the earth, so is his great steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion on who? Those who fear him, those who turn to him and repent. And guess what? First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is gracious and merciful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can confess your sins to the Lord today and be an object of his mercy. Today, let's all stand up. God, we thank you for the second chance. We thank you that, God, you've revealed your mercy to us and what we need to do, God, in order to, to come home. So, God, right now in faith, we say yes to you. We say yes to your call. We say yes to your Holy Spirit that's pulling on our hearts right now that we can't even call you, Lord, without his help, Lord. We accept the fact that you're here and you're ready to help us repent. You are here and you're ready to give mercy and grace. We love you, Jesus. God, I pray for those people who need one extra push. God, that you give them one extra push today. God, break down all the walls. Break down all the excuses. All the, I'll do it tomorrow. Give us a sense of perspective, God, that we don't know whether we're going to have tomorrow. God, right now we confess our sins. We confess that we are sinful. We confess that we're not enough. We confess, God, that we have, have wronged you. We have shed innocent blood. We've destroyed your creation in ourselves. We've destroyed it in other people. We take, took your perfect and holy law and we broke every single point of it. And we ask your forgiveness. We throw ourselves onto your mercy. God, we, we remind you that your grace is compassionate. <laughs> Feels weird to do, but all the Old Testament people did it. <laughs> we remind you, Lord, that you have love. <laughs> oh, God, we love you. 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 Thank you, Jesus. God, we ask that the prodigals would come home. We ask the prodigals would come home, God, those that have run from you. Yeah. Jesus, we ask that you'd bring them home. 
thank you, Lord. We thank you that you're faithful. You chase after us, Lord. Thank you for your kindness. 